0: with more happiness and prosperity through his master in the game of life podcast and books paul also helps people to get their own inspirational messages and powerful stories out into the world as well as being involved in supporting many charitable organizations in their development fundraising and projects
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome to this Mastering the Game of Life podcast episode, where today I'm joined by a lady from Switzerland, and I've said this before, that word Switzerland should should introduce quite nicely Kelly Branley. Kelly, you may recall, is a dating and relationship coach and executive matchmaker. Kelly, without further ado, a very warm welcome to you as ever. Hello, hello, Paul. And... In this mini series of 10, we've been looking at the 10 disciplines of love. And in this particular one, episode five, the discipline of absolute courage and vulnerability. What does that mean, Kelly?
2: Oh, very good question. Well, I think um, we got to look at the two words. And let's start first with vulnerability, because I think that's uh, quite a big word. And I want to start with two quotes from the queen of vulnerability from Brene Brown. So one of the quotes that I absolutely love from her, she says that vulnerability is the last thing that I want you to see in me, but it's the first thing that I look for in you. I love that quote. I think it Mm -hmm. makes us think a lot. And then she also goes on to sort of define vulnerability. Um, she says it's not about winning or losing, it's having the courage to show up and be seen when you have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not a weakness, a weakness, but it's our greatest measure of courage. And people who wade into the discomfort and vulnerability tell the truth about their stories. And these people are the real badasses. So I absolutely love those two. and And we talk here, both those words, courage and vulnerability. Courage is about taking that risk and stepping out there. And vulnerability is about being really seen and showing to someone else the parts of yourself that you maybe are insecure about showing or aren't sure if they're actually gonna like that part of you.
1: What does she mean, Kelly? Um, and I am an avid follower of Brandy Brown, as you know, but what does she mean on that first point? It's the last thing in me, But the first thing in you I want to see around vulnerability, what does she mean by that?
2: Well, without asking her, I have to take a guess. But what I see in that statement is we look for other people. We want to see that authenticity in them. We want to see the bit that gets below the surface. And that's Mm -hmm. where we then connect with somebody and know that they're, they're real. But it's exactly those parts that we try our hardest to hide from somebody else because we are so judgmental of those parts. Mm. That's what I think. What, I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, exactly that. But I just, um, I think it's a really, it's a really honest statement, isn't it? It's really on point, that statement is, mm-hmm. you know, it's well, I suppose paraphrasing listeners, what we're saying there is, I want to see all the good things in you that I'm kind of frightened of in me, you know. So while we're looking for inspiration externally, there, you know, just a thought. But yeah, I'm along your lines there, Kelly. Definitely. And um, but it does take courage, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Oh, but why should we bother? Tell me why we sh- why should we bother?
2: Well, it it just brought to my mind uh, the concept of emotional availability. And vulnerability is really closely tied to that. And one of the things that I hear a lot from my clients in my coaching practice is that they they have met somebody and they'll say like they're emotionally unavailable as I can't get to the depth within them. Mm-hmm. Everything stays at such a superficial level. And we want that vulnerability because we want to have the ability to sort of see inside somebody to the parts that not everybody gets to see. And being emotionally available means that you are willing to open yourself up. And so when we aren't able to show vulnerability and we aren't able to do that, it makes it very difficult for somebody to really connect with us.
1: Mm. Is, in that context, is surrender then too strong a word?
2: Surrender, for me, surrender, is kind of just putting everything out there at once. It's kind of like, yeah, I mean, cracking it open so that you can see everything that's in there. And I don't think vulnerability necessarily is that extreme. Vulnerability is about giving glimpses over time, I think.
1: Mm. Mm. I suppose, and we've said this many times before, Kelly, haven't we? Um, And certainly listeners, you you know, that... uh, Tom Peters is one of my, um, has certainly been one of my influencers from the past, maybe not quite as strong these days, because obviously, you know, we gain new, um, you know, we gain new insights around different concepts, uh, but certainly Peter's um, quality related, because he was referring to quality management in this, in this context, when he said perception is all there is, and I know to put this in context, Kelly, of what we're talking about. I mean, there isn't an absolute right or absolute wrong because we're just so individual and different as human beings, aren't we?
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, perspective, and I mean, we've talked about this several times, and I think, I mean, he does encompass it really nice with perspective. Is all there is. It is all about how you interpret things, and how you evaluate somebody's ability to be vulnerable of course is in relation to your own comfort level with vulnerability. And I have a really good friend of mine and she is probably the person who I would say is the most vulnerable of all the people I know. I mean, she has no problem really sharing her most intimate thoughts. Um, And I, I tend to do that comparison with her. And I'm trying to work on not comparing to other people, but we do that naturally. And I always think like I admire her for her openness and the way that she can share these really deep and sometimes extremely emotional thoughts and feelings. Um, But it's again, my perspective from her coming from a place where vulnerability for me for most of my life was so incredibly scary. Mm. And I was really afraid to, talk about, you know, my own story and where I came from. And now, through the work that I do, I've learned over time to share much, much more. Um, But I still come from a place where my perspective is, is much less on how open and willing I am to be vulnerable compared to what she's able to do.
1: Mm, as you say, we have to be aware of comparison, but I mean on a um if personal is the right note Kelly, I'd actually like to talk to, I like to talk to people like that because I do actually consciously find myself in that space and deliberately work on that to the point where you know there are no back doors what you see is what you get and and i think that' actually scares a lot of people as well at the same time mm-hmm. you know it, it can be very you know the use of intimate language i mean certainly through the podcast you know as listeners as listeners know you know it's it's commonplace for me to use language like flirting and you know and speaking emotional terms you know even the even the coining the phrase you know the, on the dance floor you know we're dancing we're exchanging that vibrancy that energy that emotion and and so for me um I suppose the rationale of my my own journey Kelly is I think when you've been battered that much emotionally that and this is this is only my my own you know. Um, my own story around it, but my own rationale around it is that there's no place to go. So it's like, okay, I'm out there. You know, I'm out there. I'm naked, emotionally, spiritually. I'm raw. What you see is what you get. Some people will like it. Some won't. And, you know, the risk of sounding arrogant, and it's certainly not meant to be this egotistical, arrogant statement, but I really don't care because this is, you know, to quote Dame Shirley, this is my life. This is it. Yes, I've been hurt. Yes, I've been in the gutter. Yes, I've tried to take my own life as a result of it. But do you know what? I think we have to be careful of cliches. But when you reach rock bottom, the only way is up. It's like, what are you going to say and do to me now that's going to hurt me? The rest of the mm. world. It's not quite that simple, we know. But that's certainly, from my own perspective, Kelly, been a been a strong guiding light. And and I, you know, I know we're all different.
2: Well, it relates to my sort of first point when it comes to vulnerability, which is about um, expressing your natural authenticity. And I like this this concept, your true core. So what's mm. really true for you at the most deepest level. And when you can access that and bring that out, that's really defining that vulnerability. And what you're saying exactly is that who you are at your true core is that culmination of everything you've experienced in your life and being vulnerable is sharing every one of those aspects and all the the things that a lot of people like to keep hidden behind the corner
1: why do we try and hide to use your coin uh, your term of phrase why do we try and keep them hidden round the corner kelly why
2: i have two perspectives on that one is has to do with judgment we're afraid of being judged by other people And the other one has to do with something in psychology called our shadow side. And our shadow side of our personality is actually something we do subconsciously where because of pain or hurt or judgment in the past, we actually disconnect ourselves from parts of our personality. And so hiding that sometimes isn't a conscious decision, but it's done subconsciously to protect ourselves from pain from judgment from being hurt again and uh, i work a lot with shadow work in my coaching practice of helping people realize um, parts of them that they've disowned and a really easy way to figure out what your shadow sides are is to look at the um, characteristics or the places you judge other people so we're often most judgmental of things in other people that we've disowned in ourselves.
1: Mm, yeah. yeah, can certainly relate to that. We we joked a little bit, Kelly, didn't we, before we came on air about? Um, I'm going to I'm going to use a I'm going to a made up term now. Two simple words, but made up term: singing vulnerability. Shall we go there? <laughs> Shall we explore that one? <laughs>
2: sure we can discuss the singing vulnerability but i'm putting it out there i'm not going to sing on this podcast
1: <laughs> right, okay i think for what it's worth and the risk of sounding judgmental kelly i think you're being extremely hasty but we'll move on <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. so okay uh, i mean do you want to set the scene around what we was talking about with this singing vulnerability
2: yeah so i was uh, sharing with you that before i go on on a podcast um I was told by a coach that you should sing before to warm up your vocal cords because your voice will sound much nicer on the podcast. If you're warm rather than starting out with a cold voice. And so, um, every time we have a podcast, um, I put on a few songs and I turn on my microphone and I sing at the top of my lungs to get ready. And, uh, when I shared this with Paul, um, he gave me a very nice invitation to, uh, to share that with the listeners, at which point I said, oh, no, 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 I never sing in public. So I have a shadow side of singing all on my own. Um, And we started to discuss about that, of yeah, how there's certain points of vulnerability, singing vulnerability being one, where it's very difficult for some of us to really get over um, the fear or the risk associated with something. And uh, yeah, we were talking, I think, in one of our previous podcasts where Paul actually broke out into a song and had no issue of uh, overcoming his singing vulnerability.
1: (laughs) That's that's probably because I've got no vulnerability or or perceived vulnerability around it. Um, (laughs) Maybe I have. I don't know. So begs the question then, Paul, if that's the case, why are you not on stages regularly singing? So yeah, note to self there. Dig down on dig down on that, Paul. And for maybe listeners, maybe there's that you know, this is nature's way of saying, actually, Paul, you and guests really do need to be doing a lot more singing. And <laughs> you know, with our present guest here, the delightful Kelly, I'm just gonna Play, but I'll reflect back to you, Kelly. Um, two words you use there: "nice invitation." Now you've em- obviously somewhere along the line you've embraced this. Um, so I just leave it at that. I don't want to push it, but uh, listeners, watch this space—or should I say, listen to this space? Hmm. A- <laughs> there
2: might be a duet in our future.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh,
2: so getting back to discipline.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes.
2: Um, The next point that I wanted to to sort of jump into is uh, fully encompassed with the 10 disciplines of love here. Um, And courage is related to having the discipline of loving no matter what. I think it's important to highlight that it does take courage to do that because when somebody in your life, whether that's an intimate relationship or family member or friend, when they do something that may hurt you, it takes courage to be loving back to them because there is a risk that they may not accept that and you could get hurt further. And I really love this word courage because it sort of gives this clarity that in some ways you need to kind of overcome something within yourself and take a risk and I guess give yourself that sort of push to do something that you might not do on your own. And so I think this is a really, really important aspect of, of the disciplines of love, mm. to have this courage to love no matter what. And then, oh, and then my third point, which again is a bit of a Pandora's box here, is the discipline of telling the truth always. And for me, the truth is such a It's a loaded word because I'll I'll always ask people, what does it mean to tell the truth? And people assume that they know what truth is. And then I'll start to challenge them about, okay, what about a little white lie? Like, you know, if you were asked to go to a meeting and you didn't want to do it and you said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm too busy, but maybe you're not busy. Is that truthful? And in relationships, there's all these little moments where you might not tell the full truth or you might exclude something that's part of the truth. And I really challenge everybody to think, you know through the last couple of days, all those moments where you chose to leave something out or bend the truth a little bit. And of course, you probably did that from a point of positive intent. But all these little moments can have a significant impact on a relationship. Um, One point that I discuss a lot is when you don't tell your partner that they've hurt you. That for me falls right under this telling the truth always. And those points where you don't discuss a little hurt can grow over time, can be, um, you know, every other little hurt that comes on gets piled on top of that. And over time that can lead to resentment, which is very destructive in a relationship. So I tell my clients, you know, when there's those little moments of hurt, you need to speak up, you need to have the courage, and you need to tell your partner the truth.
1: Absolutely. I'm just gonna go back to those listening to you speak there, Kelly, though, I mean, rightly or wrongly, my mind was was kind of conjuring up different levels. And, you know, from your statement of little moments, because I, I noted down, are little moments okay in a relationship? You know, is there the bigger scenario of actually managing the relationship harmoniously or are we coming at this from a point of view that you know because things can be so subjective can't they it's like Mm -hmm. you know we could assume that actually that's no big deal so i'll just tell a little white one here you know because i I, you know it's just easier that way but there's that subjectivity around that that the other the other side the other partner might think well actually that, that might be trivial to you to me that's major Mm -hmm. that's That's a really
2: good point yeah Mm. definitely i had um a discussion with a client this was a couple weeks ago um and the question was my opinion what do i think um her partner had been i think the ex-girlfriend had showed up at his work unexpectedly and he hadn't told her about it at the time because he said oh i'm not interested you know this is done and then Something had happened where he ended up disclosing this inadvertently that he'd seen her again. And this erupted in an enormous argument between the two of them. And it was exactly that point she was asking, like, what do you think of this? Should he have told me at that moment?
1: Mm.
2: So I ask you, Paul, what do you think?
1: I think a bigger question is what do you actually feel?
2: Mm. Of course, the feelings definitely trump all those things. I mean, I I have a clear line on things like that um and i always say ask yourself the question if you don't tell something in a relationship how would you feel if the person found out about it and if there's any discomfort with that thought then it's definitely for me an indication that you should tell
1: but this this reflects kelly doesn't it the whole kind of um What's the word I'm looking for? The whole ups and downs of managing a relationship, being in a relationship, the whole subjectivity of it, of, you know, that perception and, uh, you know, you know th- there's a cliche, isn't there, of least said, soon is mended. So if I keep that back, you know, we haven't got a deal. It's not that important. You know, we're bringing in that subjectivity again, I know. But as you say, the other side of that is, well, why didn't you tell me about that? I mean, I think as a as a general, you know, to answer your question, for me personally, um, you know, and it's not without its risk because I don't think uh, or feel that there is a definitive answer and a one size fits all. I think there are very strong guides, and that's you know that in my humble opinion is what this beautiful mini series is around. I've certainly got a lot from it, and I you know like I've said to you on previous um, episodes of this mini series, Kelly, I can relate to you know, yeah, I've, yeah, I can relate to that very strongly, you know, from past experiences. And, you know, the way I learned from that was arguably the long, hard road, rather than having somebody like yourself, you know, offer these insights, this guidance, uh, this support, if you will, um, because it's just worth its weight in gold. When we look at one of the key things, the key glues in our lives is actually, you know, relationship. I think the number one glue in my humble opinion is love. And obviously relationships go kind of hand in hand with that. So as is my style personally, I'll just chuck it on the table, but I'm more know, if interested is the right word, but conscious of the feelings rather than oh, I've seen seen an ex today or you know, bumped into an ex or what have you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and i think a lot of that kelly is also um and i stand to be challenged on this and corrected from a you know from a different perspective but you know i've shared with you privately how i have spoken very highly of six immensely influential women in my life you know my grandmother my mother um my my ex-wife um and then two fiancées after that and and then you know the the lady that's most recently been in my life. And the consistency with the latter four, obviously not with my grandmother and my mother, but the consistency with my partner for, for want of a better phrase is I've, I've spoke very openly and honestly and candidly around my love for, you know, this group of women. Now, you know, I've also had that conversation with, with women um, that have not been in a relationship. And they said, oh, if that was me, Paul, I'd leave you. I wouldn't be with you listening to that. And I said, well, I can only tell you my truth. And that it certainly has been my truth, Kelly. I've kind of moved on from that particular part of my life now. And that, dare I say, that script, that part of my truth or perceived truth at the time. So, you know, I think all we can do is to answer the question, really, is to be true to ourselves, isn't it? Um, You are so spot on
2: with that one. And and just listening to you, for me, you've just encompassed that vulnerability because you must have a knowing that for some women, that would have been a deal breaker. But that is so important to you in being vulnerable and sharing that and creating that space between you and a partner is very vulnerable, but it created with the right woman such a deep connection because she would recognize how true to you and how central to your being those relationships were. So it's not a judgment. It's about, as you said, creating that that dynamic between you and another person to know what what sort of space do we have to discuss within each other. And for you, discussing a past relationship was absolutely... Okay, and was welcomed and embraced, and for another couple, that might not be.
1: Mm. Um, Which kind of reinforces the point, doesn't it? There isn't there isn't a right, there isn't a wrong. It's it's a question of compatibility. I mean, this takes us down a an interesting uh, an interesting path, as is our way, Kelly. This is not unusual, is it, listeners? Particularly when Kelly and I get on a conversation. But this whole thing of is love enough?
2: Oh, such such a great topic. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think we've touched on this many, many times, and we both share the same underlying belief that definitely love is the most important um, need that we're looking to fulfill and to improve with all these discussions that we're having. And uh, it's definitely at the top for me. Um, and I think we we touched on it in one of our most recent podcasts, right? About the importance mm-hmm. of love and uh, can we have love without? Uh, we did the other two, time and money, right? Yeah. Um, such such a fantastic topic.
1: Yeah, just on an interesting one, which is absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with this current thread. It's become a little bit of a standing joke now between Kelly and I because we are both massive advocates of the six human needs. Uh, in fact, we I think we've we've gone as far as to say Kelly, have we not, that you know, in terms of our really strong connection, the foundation of that is that understanding belief and you know uh, embracing the benefits of the six human needs that's kind of glued us together metaphorically speaking quite quite strongly hasn't it um, definitely yep um and i just use that as a foundation to say and as i say it's become a a bit of a standing joke between kelly and i listeners but we've actually gone 25 minutes in this podcast without re- re- you know, bringing any reference to any of the six human needs. But at 25 minutes or so, it raised its head. I think the challenge for us, Kelly, is can we get through an episode without (laughs) ever referring to any aspect of the six human needs?
2: (laughs) Well, we've broken our own record and um, we'll see. But somehow I think we're going to struggle to really have a discussion without referring to them at some point. But let's see. Time will tell.
1: Time will tell. Absolutely. So, before I ask you to leave us with a, a real pearl of wisdom, Kelly, in terms of this this very vital discipline that we've spoke around, absolute courage and vulnerability. Before we move on and close with that, I would just ask you and invite you uh, again to share with, um, with our listeners your contact details, how people can reach out to you.
2: So, as always, you can visit... Um, KellyBrandley.com forward slash mastering the game of life and you'll see on my website a overview of all the 10 disciplines of, of love you're welcome to go and download that there and uh, you can reach me or you can access my website at k-e-l-l-y
1: b-r-a-n-d-l-i Superb. thank you as ever and so, yeah, well, it's over to you, Kelly, really, for the last few words, you know, leave us with one pearl of wisdom or one insight thought, call it what you will, around this this fascinating, generally this fascinating 10 disciplines of love, but more particularly, absolute courage and vulnerability. What would that be?
2: I think we've done vulnerability pretty deep. I would leave with this thought, and that is surrounding courage. And I encourage everyone to really take that risk and be courageous in your relationships, to challenge all those thoughts and ideas you may have held throughout your whole life about what makes a good relationship and really, you know, go into those things, which maybe make you feel uncomfortable, but to have that courage and to love no matter what.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Because we're going into uncertainty there, you know, obviously one of the six human needs and, new pots of gold are found in places we might not have looked before are they not
2: definitely
1: mm. so on that thoughtful note listeners uh, we sign off as we always do by saying remember mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts
0: thanks very much for listening to this mastering the game of life podcast episode If you found it interesting and helpful, drop a line to Paul via paul at paul-low.com with any thoughts or questions you may have. He'd love to hear from you and he'd be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at www.paul-low.com. Remember, mastering the game of life starts by embracing our hearts.